Folks, welcome back. Today we're going to get into part two of our titled message, Jeroboam Foolishly Feared. And last time Rick really got into a, a lot of good scripture here and talked about uh, who Jeroboam was, how this played out. And Rick, kind of bring us up to speed, if you will. Okay, uh, last time we talked about, uh, we were uh, reading out of First Kings chapter 11, where um, God had commissioned Jeroboam to become king over ten tribes in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, Solomon had... Uh, engaged in idol worship and he led Israel astray into that. Mm -hmm. So God was upset and he was ending the Davidic dynasty ruling over all of Israel. So he commissioned, um, Jeroboam to be king over 10 tribes. And, but you know, because David was so faithful to God, Mm -hmm. he was going to allow a descendant of David to continue ruling the tiny kingdom of, of Judah. Right. And, and as we mentioned before, the reason for all this is because, you know, God had a covenant with David and his descendants. As long as you're faithful and love me and obey my commands, you know, I will establish you. But of course, Solomon, um, seduced by his wives and their pagan religions, he got off into idol worship and, um, a lot of Israel, the people of Israel followed his example yeah. and that upset God. So that brings us up to where we're at. And, um, uh, we're in First Kings chapter 11, verse 38, and this is where God's giving the same covenant agreement. He's offering the same covenant to Jeroboam that he did to David. Right. And it reads, Then it will be that if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel... And I will give Israel to you. So you might say, but wait a minute. God is promising an enduring house as he did for David, but yet he's he's ending the Davidic dynasty. Right. So you might be a little confused there. But uh, last week we talked or last time we talked about um, um, as long as the generations from generations are faithful to God. Right. He will, you know, honor the covenant and be faithful to them. Yeah, we said the covenant is two parts. It's two people, two sides of it. So <laughs> God, who cannot lie, holds his end of the bargain up on his covenant. And then us, well, at this time, you know, it would be uh, David's lineage here, you know, to holding up their end, right, on the Jeroboam now. So he's saying the mm-hmm. same thing. If right. you do this, then this is what we'll, we'll you know, yeah. I'll, I'll hold to. See, during David's life, during his kingship, he, he honored that covenant. Right. And, and God honored his kingship, you know, and, and it was established and assured. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of problems, you know, David's ha- had a lot of wars. He had, you know, problems with the Philistines and giants and, and things like that. But God sustained him through all of that. Right. Because David was, fa- David was faithful to God. Yeah. But just because that, you know, David himself did that doesn't mean that perpetually for the next you know, bazillion generations, God's going to allow that dynasty to continue generation by generation by generation. Each generation is responsible. That's right. Accountable for their own actions. Right. Right. right, For being faithful to God. And then God would be faithful to them, but that didn't happen. You know, unfortunately at the end of Solomon's reign, you know, it only took one generation, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of Solomon's reign, um, he got off into idolatry. You know, and what a way, because really, if you think about it, David kind of did all the, 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 the legwork, as you would put it. The other generations kind of came in with stuff's already set up. All they had to do was just adhere to what was already laid out. It's like, uh, your, your, your parents worked to build a, a, a great business. And then when they 
pass pass on, they inherit it. They leave it as your inheritance to you, right? You don't have to do all the legwork again. It's already established. All you have to do is maintain it, and mm-hmm. they, they blew it, mm-hmm. right? They did, so, yeah. Yep. All right, let's continue on then. Okay, so God's replacing the Davidic dynasty with Jeroboam, and he offers Jeroboam this same covenant that he offered to David. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we see here... Um, Scriptures, I'm going to talk about some scriptures of God's faithfulness and, and why it's better to trust God. Yeah, and absolutely. In, and, you know, Jeroboam had at his disposal, he, he, he had the prophet Ahijah prophesy to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he knew Ahijah was a bona fide prophet of God, so he had that. He had David's life as a witness, mm-hmm. and he also had these scriptures that we're about to read. To te- So he had all these things testifying to him that, you know, God is trustworthy. You put your trust in God and, and God will protect you and sustain you. Yep. But we'll see later on what actually, you know, what, what happens. Okay. But in Psalms nine, verse 10, it says, those who know your name, trust in you for you, Lord have never forsaken those who seek you. Amen. And you know, there's some absolute words in here. That's right. You have never, That's right. God has never forsaken those who seek him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolute. He is perfect in that. You know, he has never forsaken those who seek him. That's right. Uh, Psalms 118.8, it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. Okay, but oftentimes we, you know, put our faith in those around us. And, um, you know, those that uh, are maybe in positions of power or something. All right. You know, and you see that a lot in politics. You know, you you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But then you become beholden <laughs> to other people who may want you to do things that you really don't want to do and that God really doesn't want you to do. Right. You know, so it's better to put your trust in God mm-hmm. than in humans. And then finally in Proverbs verse 29 or Proverbs 29 verse 25 it says, "Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe." So it's better to to reverence God and be faithful and put your trust in God than in man. Yeah. The and and, and you don't have this one down, Rick. And, and as you were reading these, one kind of came to to remembrance, and and most people know this, um, but it's Psalms twenty three, uh, and you know, it, it very very beginning it says, "The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want." So if we would listen to God, all of our needs uh, will be met says it very first line, uh, I shall not want. And then it goes on and continues at verse 4 here. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So no matter where you're even going, even if you're looking at an adverse situation, if there's fear there, the fear should not overcome you because you shouldn't fear anything evil. And nothing of God is evil. All God is good. So if you're facing something that contains fear fear in it, if that, you're facing that, then it's not of God. So you should know that he's with you, and just that alone ought to give you comfort in those situations. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. man, but they had that as well. That's Sorry. right. That's <laughs> right. You know, and it says, um, you know, the valley of the shadow of death. That's right. I mean, that's pretty dark. That's yes. a pretty dark place. That's exactly right. That's and, exactly right. you know, time and time again, we see in the Bible where God displaces the darkness. That's right. No, yeah. he's light. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's so, exactly so right. no matter how dark our situation is, we have to keep our faith in God. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, Ahijah prophesies to Jeroboam, Hey, you're going to become king over 10 tribes in Israel. 
because Solomon blew it. God's mad at him, and he's going to take the kingdom away. Yeah. And Solomon hears about this. And up to this point, Solomon had a high regard for Jeroboam. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeroboam was a very impressive, accomplished young man. Mm -hmm. But when Solomon, we kind of see now, we see uh, parallels between Saul and David and Solomon and Jeroboam. Right. You know, so Jeroboam, or Solomon sets out to have Jeroboam killed. So he flees to Egypt Mm -hmm. and lives there for almost 20 years until Solomon dies. And while he's down there, you know, being the impressive, accomplished person that he is, he, he, you know, impresses Pharaoh and becomes good friends with Pharaoh. But unfortunately, and I think this may have had an influence on him, he spends 20 years in a society of uh, idolatry and pagan worship. What's our pastor always tell us? Yeah, don't hang around Goofy. That's right. You hang around Goofy, guess what happens? You're Goofy. You're Goofy. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I think some of that rubbed off on him, as we'll see here in a little bit. But um, as I mentioned, so Solomon finally dies, but it was almost 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And once Jeroboam hears that Solomon has died, he returns to Israel. Mm-hmm. And Rehoboam, not to be confused with Jeroboam, <laughs> Rehoboam is Solomon's son. All right. And he takes over the the throne. And he tells the citizens of Israel, you know, I'm going to be harder on you than my dad was. So the ten tribes rebel against Rehoboam. And once they hear that Jeroboam's back, then they, they ask him to be their king. And we see that in First Kings chapter 12, verses 19 and 20. And it reads, So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. It came about when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, that they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. None but the tribe of Judah followed the house of David. Mm-hmm. So we see the prophecy fulfilled. It took 20 years, right. but we see that prophecy fulfilled. Jeroboam, Jeroboam is now king over the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom. There's something uh, real quick I'm just going to interject. I was talking with our pastor about this the other day. You know, people often want to return on their investment immediately. Um, and so often we think if we do this, the Bible says that if we do this, then this happens. But in our finite minds, we say, okay, well, that means that it should happen now or maybe on our timeline. And uh, you see 20 years took place in between this. Uh, same thing with David. David went through the same mm-hmm. thing from from the time he was anointed to the time he was appointed was a considerable amount of time. Right. And, and during that time, it could be used for one of two things. David used it in preparation, and Jeroboam did not. His 20 years was spent, you know, hanging with the the corruptible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because Egypt was always a symbol of, of worldly sin. That's exactly right. So, so even though we don't see right now, you know, the promise of God fulfilled – uh, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And in that meantime, what we should be doing is for being prepared. Because if God elevates us to a position, we need to have all that um, experience under our belt, but not worldly experience, but godly experience. We ought to keep growing in him, getting prepared for that, not hanging out with the wrong group of people that can then ultimately taint, you know, our decisions and so mm-hmm. on and so forth in our future with that. Right. So. Yeah, and, and we're, you know, we're about to see that with this next scripture. Um, so Jeroboam finally becomes king. So the prophecy is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. 
he had the, as I mentioned before, he had the life of David as a witness, mm-hmm. and he had scripture telling him to trust God. Yeah. And God is faithful. But, but in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26 through 28, we see, uh, what Jeroboam actually ultimately did. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king, Jeroboam, consulted. So it doesn't say who he consulted, but he probably consulted his, you know, uh, worldly advisors or human advisors. Well, I'd say the next part of this kind of explains who he must have consulted with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because out of that, uh, consulting, uh, he made two golden calves and he said to them, to the people of Israel, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. Yeah. So obviously, you know, he didn't consult the right people. No. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. Consult priests or prophets or anything like that. <laughs> that's right. Anybody uh, who even knew scripture or knew the, the history yeah. of the people. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, um, so unfortunately Jeroboam foolishly feared. He feared in his heart, you know, now that I have the kingdom, if I stay faithful to God and his commandments, the people of Israel are going to be going to Jerusalem to offer up sacrifices to God. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, then they're going to, they're going to realign themselves back with the, the king of Judah. Mm-hmm. who's reigning there in Jerusalem. See, so he 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 looked at these circumstances and he didn't trust God to sustain his kingship and his dynasty. You know, there's an underlying issue there because he know he wasn't doing right either. You know, otherwise what would there be a fear of if he was in the right standing of God, right? And if he was doing everything right, then uh when the people left, he wouldn't have any of that fear of them leaving. Yes. Yeah. So he was doing something in his life where he felt God wouldn't preserve him. That's right. That's right. That's, that's a good what, point. I mean, that's what I see here. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and so you might ask, well, why did God commission him king then if he wasn't living fully for God? Well, because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That's right. And, you know, when God puts a gift or a calling on someone's life, regardless of how they choose to live out their life, mm-hmm. That gift or anointing remains. That's right. That's right. Anyways, uh, yep. Well, Rick, what do you think, buddy? Well, uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything for, for this segment. So, um, friends, that's it for today here at Red River Rising, and we hope you, uh, that it blessed you. And until next time, um, continue to prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. <laughs>